Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22 Podcast. My name is Lindsay Wheeler, the Kids Ministry Director for Rev 22 Kids. Today's message comes from one of our family services. We encourage everyone to bring a blanket to sit on, meet someone new, and attend church as one big family. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. You came on a special day. It's a family service. That is why all the chairs in the middle are missing, not because we want people to see how funny it is to watch old people try and get up off the floor, but we do this because we believe as a church it's our job to make disciples, and the church as a whole has to model things. So two to three times a year, we close down all the kids' classrooms with the intent of doing a family service where we hope that parents will be with their kids down here, and if you are here and you don't have kids or you don't want kids or your kids are gone, we still invite you to take part in joining the kids' on this way. In the classrooms, they sit down on the floor as they get taught normally when we have our classes below. And so we like to do two or three Sundays a year where we bring them in and we try and, and just share the gospels, teach from the scriptures as a community not segregated. We see the value in this. This is an opportunity for my kids and, and your kids to see other adults learning and to learn together. Yes, it's more chaotic. Yes, there's more noise. But we try to keep the attention and do the teaching very, very intentionally this way. It's not a throwaway Sunday. It's a valuable Sunday. I would encourage you if you are bold and have courage to, to join another family, even if you don't know them, get to know them and go out to lunch with them and, and spend time getting to know each other because the kingdom of God is not one generation or segregated generations. It's all together as one. And so we're going to we're gonna hear from God's word today in a, a little bit more creative way and a way that hopefully will show parents, hey, you can teach this stuff to your kids at home. It's, it's your command to train up a child in the way they should go so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. But we get to partner with you guys in doing this. And so if you are courageous or if you're a family and you want to invite our kids, if you just want to go grab some random stranger's hand and, and, and tell them to come join you, that'd be great too, okay? So we're going to do this together. I'm going to pray for us. Danny's going to teach, and then we will dig into God's Word. God, thank you so much for the ability to, to learn together. God, it is uh, a complete lie that, that there are kids in here that I can't learn from. God, it is a complete lie that we believe that only can be taught in segregated ways. God, your gospel and your word is rich and living and active. And so your word does not fall void. And so I pray for the children that are in here that haven't declared you, God. I pray that this would be the beginning of a seed being planted that's, that's being poured into and, and fertilized and, and toiled at home. And this is just us coming alongside them. God, for the people that are here that even maybe right now they're, they're feeling discomfort because they don't like the fact that kids are here. God, I pray that you'd work on their heart. Help them to see that, that, that Jesus literally said, let the children come to me. Do not hold them back from me. And so, God, we, we love the, what our kids' ministry does throughout the, the year when we're separated. But, God, we love this time because we know that you can do something profound and huge and, and mighty through your word. And so I pray that you'd speak boldly through Danny, that your, your words would come out, that your spirit would, would convict, would challenge, would encourage us where, it need, where we need to be done, where it needs to be done so in our heart, God. We thank you for this time. We even thank you for the ability to, to baptize the baptism we had at Jeremy in first service and then getting to baptize Jordan in this service as well a little bit later. God. We love you and we thank you for your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last thing is also that you got handed a sheet, some coloring sheets or whatever. The, the hope would be that you guys would take this home, whether it's in your gospel communities or in your families or just your friends, your roommates, and you guys would go a little bit further with God's word today. So without any more, I'll get out of the way. Go ahead, Danny. You don't have to get out of the way, Bren. We all like your face. Okay, so as we do this, also, Bren might have mentioned this. When you go today, you can take 
one of these sheets or two, they're two sheets, but they kind of go back to back if you want them to. And you can take this home with you, color, take notes, do whatever you want to do. There's a couple of little passages um, and it's good to talk about these things like we said at home, right? It's nice when somebody comes and stands up here and talks to you, but the truth is, is that the place where we probably learn the best is who we spend the most time with. So let's do that as families. But first thing I want to say is how many of you would love it if Jesus went with you everywhere? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like if he was just like bodily Jesus just hanging out with you and you were like walking around and you were like, Jesus, what kind of tree is that? And he was just maple something, right? And he was just all over it. And it would be great, wouldn't it? It'd be awesome. Or maybe even if you think about it on a, on a more serious level, right? Like what if you had a hard decision to make? Like wouldn't it be awesome just to be like, Jesus, what am I supposed to do here? Like this is clearly a, not a win-win. It's a lose-lose. It feels like it. What am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to function in this way? Man, it'd be awesome to have Jesus right here. How many of you would be way more stoked to hear Jesus preach today than this guy, right? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Yeah, appreciate it for asking me to teach today. So but it would be awesome, right? Would it not? All of us would say, yes, Jesus being here right now in his body would be so much better than not, right? But Jesus himself doesn't say that. Jesus himself actually says that it's better for him to go. And we see this, right? He literally ascends to heaven. And he goes and he's at the right hand of God, the father, and he's interceding for us with God in the throne room right now. But he says this, nevertheless, this is John 16, seven. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about this person who gets kind of, in some ways, misunderstood, and we try to figure out who he is. We don't really know. Like, there's people within the church today that if I said that the Trinity was God, Jesus, and the Holy Bible, you'd be like, amen. But that's not the Trinity, is it? No, the Holy Spirit of God who literally has come to the earth. Jesus says, it's better for you and me that Jesus leaves and the Spirit comes. Now, why would he say that? That just seems like such a, like, I could not think, look, truth of the matter is, if I asked you right now, what's the most Sunday school answer to any question I could possibly give you, right? What would you say? Good job. Last service, the kid was like, God, and I was all tricky. But that's the answer, and it's true, because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. It's Jesus who has come in spiritual form to literally impact the world differently than he could ever impact it if he was here bodily. So as we talk about Jesus leaving, we talk about this Holy Spirit of God moving, flowing, internally dwelling in the hearts of people. Nothing can be more impactful than that. Nothing can be more impactful than that. Now I want you to say this phrase with me. Uh, I'm going to say it first. Don't try to say it like at the same time as me. That'd be weird, okay? I'm going to say it first, then I'll have you say it with me. It, it is better to have the Spirit inside me than Jesus beside me, okay? Say this with me. It is better to have the Spirit inside me than Jesus beside me. And that may seem immediately like that makes sense now, giving you one passage, right? But if most of us were honest, we don't operate like God lives in us. I want you to think about that for just a second. Right now, in this room, there are multiple people who are temples of God. The same power 
according to Romans, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is here inside of some of us. What could be better than that? What could be better than that? Now, when the spirit comes, Jesus says it later in John 16, 13 to 14, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, right? I said a second ago, wouldn't it be better for Jesus to preach? Yes, it would be. Right? But when the Spirit comes, Jesus says, He will guide you into all truth, meaning that the Spirit of God is moving you closer and closer to what is true. Now, that movement may look a little bit like this sometimes because life feels like that, but that's the Spirit's work in you, guiding you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Now, again, this is Jesus talking for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, the spirit coming is better, according to Jesus, than Jesus staying because the spirit is continuing the mission of Jesus on a grander scale. The spirit of God all over the world, not bound by time and place, is impacting what God has intended for us to be and who we are and what Jesus' mission was. And that is the massive, massive revelation of the Jesus, of Jesus leaving spirit coming, is that now this has gone way exponential. Now Jesus takes human beings and he inhabits us with his spirit, moves in us, and we become the body of Christ, the church. See, if Jesus were here bodily, he would still be bound to a body. But in him sending the spirit, he inhabits many people to make this massive body of Christ. Now, that's the big picture. Now, what about this? Don't most of us think it'd be better to have Jesus next to us on a personal level? I mean, on a personal level, that was what I mentioned first. How awesome would it be to walk everywhere with Jesus? Ah, but he says on a personal level, Jesus could not give us anything more personal, anything more intimate than to take his insides and put them inside us. Think about that for a second. You can spend as much time as you want with another human being. You can spend all your days and that human being may know you better than anyone else but they'll never know exactly what you feel and think. They'll never know your thoughts. They'll never have your feelings. They'll never be exactly perfectly empathetic to what you're experiencing. No, you know your thoughts. You know your feelings. That dark, good, awesome, not, doesn't matter. You know them. Nobody else experiences that with you in the same level that you do. Ah, but when God says he puts his spirit inside of you, God takes that thing which is most personal to us, our insides, our feelings, our thoughts, and how we see the world. He takes that thing that is most personal from himself and puts it in us. Look at this passage in 1 Corinthians, if you guys remember this. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. This is 1 Corinthians 2. What God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Okay, clearly the Spirit knows God, because he is God, better, right, than almost anything. So the Spirit understands and knows and searches even the depths of God. 
For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is inside of him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but it is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. It is better to have the spirit inside of us than it would be for us to have Jesus beside us. Why is that? Because all of a sudden living inside of us and impacting deeper and deeper is the insides of God. The mind, the heart, the emotion, the feelings, the truth, the knowledge. That's beginning to take deeper and deeper root in you if you know him. Now, nothing can be more personal to a person than their insides. And God has given us his insides. But that personal relationship, that personal nature comes back together in the church. Now it's a group of people who know God intimately forming together this new thing, this new body of Jesus on the earth. And the spirit is doing the work that God has always outlined. In a moment, we're gonna watch a video about that. And that particular video, I think, highlights really well what the mission of the spirit is in the world. Now that's the spirit who's living in you. The spirit who's living in you has a mission, and it's Jesus's mission, and that mission will be accomplished. Let's watch this video. And so we see in that depiction that the Holy Spirit of God is moving forward with this mission, and what he's doing by indwelling people is he's taking any person who submits themselves to Christ as Lord, and he's putting himself inside of them and he's moving them forward with this revitalization, this re-energizing of humanity and the world. Now, some of you are gonna look at me and you're gonna think that sounds wild. Some of you look at me and you've been in the church for a lot of years and you still don't know if you've ever actually seen the Spirit's work in your life. Right? Some of you truly haven't. Some of, you, some of you haven't seen how the Spirit is taking you and moving you closer and closer to obedience. But that is what the Spirit does. And the Spirit inside of us moving us closer and closer and closer is a part of Jesus' mission being fulfilled internally in you individually. And then it bursts forward, forth and goes on this grander scale to do this great thing in the world. Now, I could not give you a perfect picture of this, although that's a pretty good one. I, I really wanted to try to help you understand what is the Spirit's role in the mission and how he uses us. Okay, so I need a couple of volunteers. I need four kids. So, Jaya, yeah, you guys right there is great. Um, and then I need four adults. Now, I need real adults, like actual human adults who love to raise their hand in church. So, uh, do I need any more adults? I've got two, three, four right there. Boom. Okay, now, um, I need you guys in two minutes to come up with a perfect theology of the Holy Spirit. Go. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm doing. Um, I'm gonna have you stand across from each other 
okay, in, in kind of pairs. That's not standing across. That's making a circle. We're not in high school. Okay, here we go. There you go. That's perfect. Okay, so stand across from each other. That works great. Now grab a hold of that for just a second. Um, this is going to turn into a snake. I'm kidding. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing, okay? Um, but some of you got really nervous. I saw a sweat bead on at least one person. Okay, so right now I'll, I'm going to give you a demonstration. This is sort of a game, okay? Now what I want you to do, I want you to turn a little bit, angle a little bit this direction. So angle a little bit so that, the, so that people can see you. Probably the other direction. Um, there you go. Right there is perfect. Um, so that people can see you uh, only right here. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be a perfect place. There's pillars for crying out loud, people. Here we go. So, so what I want you to do is I want you to put your hands out just like this, okay? And I want you to let, that, let the thing rest on your hands, okay? Let it rest on your hands. Now, the, the goal of this game is for you as a team to move the stick all the way down. You cannot use your thumb to grip. Okay, don't use your thumb to grip or any sort of a gripping thing. You have to let it rest on your fingers, and you have to lower it to the ground. Now, here's the catch before you start going, because I know you want to. Here's the catch. Nobody's finger can leave this stick. Everybody's has to stay on there the entire time. And I'm going to be a real stickler because there's, like, one rule to this whole thing, okay? So I'm going to be a real stickler about this rule. Now, you're going to have two minutes as a team, okay, to lower the stick to the ground. And if a, a finger leaves that stick, at that point, I'm going to make you start all over again. Now, you can start at your waist. Trust me, you're going to want to start at your waist. The higher you start, the harder it goes, okay? So you're going to get two minutes. All you're going to do is lower that thing down. Uh, Bren, you want to look at this team right here? And I know a couple of those are your kids. you still got to be a stickler. So I'm going to be a really, like, you guys are adults for crying out loud. You can do this, right? Johnny. <laughs> Man, I might need to ask for another volunteer of some confidence. All right, so, um, so all you're going to do when I, when I say go is you're going to lower that stick to the ground without moving your hands off of it. Ready? Go. Ah, you're gripping it, Jordan. Move your thumb. Guys, I didn't say raise your hands in worship. Johnny, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not right. Oh, Jordan's hands left. Start over. It's a benefit that you're starting over. You guys were at your chest, and you started at your waist. Go ahead. Try again. Johnny's hand just left. Try to start again. Johnny, your hand just left again, but you just started over, so it's pointless. <laughs> Andy, your finger just left. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll give you another 10 seconds because clearly we know where this is headed. Well, Johnny, that was obvious. Okay, all right, stop. Put it by your waist. Put it by your waist. Okay, this was hard to do. Why? Because what you want to do is you want to try to keep your fingers on the stick, right? So what are you going to do when you do that? You're going to push up, right? But where are you trying to go? Down, right? So in a very elementary way, and one that you understand at this point, if the mission of this whole thing is to get that stick on the ground, how in the world are they going to do it by themselves? It'll take them a while, right? <laughs> Maybe never. Likely, they're going to move a little bit, right? Why? Because they're, when you're working together like that, doesn't it kind of feel like sometimes, even though you're trying really hard, even your own left hand and right hand can't do it right, Right? Now watch this. This is the Spirit's influence on the mission. If the Spirit working in us, yeah, you can be one. Good job. That's so much like us humans, right? Clearly, we did it, guys. Um, but that's the Spirit's influence in the mission of God. When we look at the mission of this ridiculous game, right, that clearly was meant for failure to begin with, otherwise the analogy doesn't work. Um, no offense, you weren't tricked, I swear. Um, people can do it. 
but I didn't want to do that analogy here. So the whole point of that is to understand something. Did they participate in the mission being fulfilled? Yes, they did. Did they fulfill it? No, no. It was something outside of them, inside of them, whatever, something helped move it downward, helped the mission to be fulfilled. That's the Spirit's doing. The mission will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. In this game, the stick was going to hit the ground. Why? Because I was pushing it down. The Holy Spirit's role in the world, Jesus' mission to carry forward will be done. Hear me. That will get finished. There is no doubt in the world that God in almighty power will complete it. How do we play a role? We, as vessels of God, are participating in moving that mission forward. We don't do it. It's not in your power. When you see something happen that is clearly awesome, clearly a part of what God's mission is, that thing happening didn't happen because of your cunning. It didn't happen because you are in a brilliant church. It didn't happen because the person who taught you was really, really good. It happened because the Holy Spirit of God moves that mission forward and will do what he says he will do. Now, in a moment here, we're going to do baptisms. And you heard a brief kind of thing in there. It's Romans 8 is where we hear that. Romans 8 says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to you, your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you. Think about that. It is the movement of God when somebody awakens to who Jesus is. It is the Holy Spirit's influence literally allowing them to see something that they could not see a second ago. That God's Spirit awakens someone so they say Christ is Lord when they never would have said that. You. If you are somebody who submitted to Christ, if that's you, that's a miracle. That is not just because you were raised in a Christian home. That's not because you went to a church that that did a great job of teaching you what the gospel was. All of those things are a part of how God is allowing us to participate. But it is his spirit moving the mission more and more towards its destination. That is what is happening when we talk about baptism. As somebody dies to themselves symbolically and rises again to new life symbolically, it's a symbol of what Christ has done in them through his Holy Spirit. It is a symbol of new life. And that is the mission of the Spirit in the world. That is what God is doing. Now, the band's going to come up. We're going to sing some more. But if you're someone who today, you've said, I submit to Christ. I know who he is. But you're someone who truly has not seen fruit, genuinely not seen anything that moves you closer and closer to Jesus. If you don't know if you have the spirit of God inside of you, if you're not sure, then I challenge you to go get I challenge you to go get prayer. Do you want to know why? Because if you don't know God, the scriptures teach that you can bow voluntarily right now 
or you will bow involuntarily later. And I don't say that to be harsh, I say that to be honest. That Jesus will be worshiped as the king. And that those of us who know him, we choose to worship him now, realizing how amazingly clear the spirit has made it to us. Now, some of you, it's not amazingly clear. Some of you, you're not even sure if you believe it at all. Go. Be prayed for. You know, if you choose not to and you feel that today, the scriptures teach that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Will you humble yourself if that's you? Enough to let God do something in you that he's been doing for thousands of years. And that's putting vitality, putting life inside of things that feel dead. That's placing goodness in a space that only had bad. That's moving stone to flesh, death to life, old to new. This will happen. And God wants to take us beings and he wants to come and dwell with us. If you're somebody who does know God, Praise God. You celebrate baptism like new life should be celebrated. Not because we did it, but because the Spirit of God did it. And if you're somebody who doesn't, please, I'm, I'm truly pleading with you, go, humble yourself. Because every single person in this room, if they claim to know Jesus, has had to be humble one way or another. They've had to go. They've had to tell somebody, I, I know I'm not good. I know that there's some things that are off and I just, I need whatever it is that God is. We're all freed slaves, man. None of us got out of that one. We're all born into it. And if you're a believer today and you sit in a place of pride in your sin, go. Let somebody pray for you. Get rid of that. Because the very spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in the individual spaces of each person here. Vitality and life. Let me pray. Father, we acknowledge that your son is king and we also acknowledge that your spirit is the one moving. May your spirit move powerfully, not only in our time here, but in us all the time. I don't know what that looks like. I don't even know what kind of childish prayer that is. But Lord, we just ask you to move because we know that we go the opposite direction from where you want us to go when we're by ourselves. But that when you come in and you literally press us toward the mission, you fulfill it in us and we get to be there with it. We love you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Guys, please uh, feel free to stand and worship with us. Celebrate God with us.
We're going to sing a, a new song for our church. Uh, if you listen to Christian music in the early 2000s, then you'll probably know it. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Uh, the scriptures teach about baptism all over. They talk about the command is for that we are to go and make disciples, baptizing them actually in the three persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that's what is a command of us. And so we're excited we had a baptism in first service. We also have a baptism happening in this service as well. Again, I always feel like I need to say this because it happens all the time in baptisms. There's always someone that's here that's usually like, I haven't been baptized or I've been disobedient to following God in this but you're worried about getting your hair wet or your clothes wet. In Acts 2, there were thousands that left with wet clothes that day because they believed and they, they got baptized in obedience. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you are in a spot where you're like, man, I've been wanting to get baptized, I don't know what to do, you're welcome to have a conversation with me or anyone after we can get you guys baptized as well. Um, but baptism is a beautiful thing. It's something that we do in the likeness of Jesus. It's, it's in his death, burial, and resurrection. We, we die with him and we come out a new creation. It's something that we do to proclaim the goodness of what Jesus has done. It's something that we celebrate, guys. And the stories of the individual that got baptized, Jeremy, in first service, and then Jordan this service, it's just, it's its always so profound to me just how individual and different each story is, how God reveals himself and works and, and, and pursues his children. And so this is a celebration. So when we see someone getting baptized as a body of believers, we should be proclaiming the goodness of God and celebrating the goodness of God in every individual that comes to faith and professes it through baptism. So Jordan and Brittany, would you guys come on up here so we can read the story? All right. So Jordan has prepared a speech, but he asked me, his sister, to read it for him. So I will read what he wrote. So it says, in my youth, I had periods of time when I would get made fun of and would isolate myself from everyone, even God. Even though I had periods of uh, in my youth where I would go to church and camps, I would feel invigorated by the Holy Spirit. Then I would come back to regular life and would draw away from that feeling. As I grew up, I have always felt that something was missing and that I would, that if I could find someone to fix that feeling in myself, engaging in lustful things as well as going down the wrong path with friends. Then in my early adulthood, I found something that I thought could fix it all drugs and alcohol because my go-to and it became my life took me into an even darker place than I could even imagine for myself. I thought that I would never be able to get out of it. Then I ended up going to prison and was able to do some self-reflection, although it didn't work right away. I can now see God's hand in that. He was not done with me yet and didn't want me killing myself the way I was for so long. Once I got out of prison, I started working a program of recovery and found people in that community that were friends to this person that I was trying to be. It worked for a little while, but I still felt like there was something missing in my life. That last This last year, God has been putting people in my life and directing me towards him in so many ways that I was just blind to it for so long. Sean and Sam, who have uh, just asked me to come along to Christian functions and just wanting me to be the light that is Jesus, my sister, who has lived the this walk for a long time, always asking me along, but never pushing. My parents who had just loved me for being me. Then I started to come to church regularly and trying to pray on a daily basis to get in contact with Christ. It has started to fill that hole that has been missing for so long. 
I feel like this step is just the beginning of what God has in store for someone who wants to walk in the light of willful obedience in Christ, living fully for Christ. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all you do. Even when we can't see you, God, you are good. Even when we can't um, make sense of the circumstances we're in, God, you are good. Your goodness is not dependent on our circumstances or what we see or don't see. It's based on you and your character, and nothing can take that from you, God. We love you, and we thank you for all you're doing. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a quick seat. I'm doing something out of order, so John's looking at me like, what's going on? But there was a part of Jordan's story that I forgot to share, and I just wanted to, I wanted to use this encouragement. I actually didn't ask your permission to share it, Jordan, but I did ask your brother-in-law, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off of that. Um, last Easter, this space was being built, and there were a bunch of studs written around, and I'm going to lose it. So, um, and we asked everyone after service, say, hey, go and write names of people that you love. And you want to come and know the Lord. You want them, whether they've been wayward or they've never proclaimed Jesus. Write those names. And back near that sound booth is Jordan's name written by his brother-in-law on Easter. So um, I use that to encourage you guys to not stop praying for the people that you wrote down. Don't forget them. Don't forget the fact that God put them on your heart in Easter a year ago. And he wants to do a mighty work in their life. And will do that. And that's the work of God and God alone. So I want to encourage you guys to not give up on praying for people. Don't continue, don't forget to keep pursuing people. God is at work, and he is going to do a mighty work, and it's going to be all for his glory alone. And so we just pray that you continue to do that.